Good evening, everybody, and welcome in to episode 12 of the of the Scarlet and Gray podcast. I am Tyler Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at T underscore Johnson underscore TJ. I am doing this episode solo. Uh, Jordan Dalton, he is, like I said last week, they just had um, their first child, he and his wife, and so he is off this week. So doing this episode solo, if you guys are tuning into this episode on Facebook, I would ask if you guys could go to the YouTube channel. You could subscribe there for free, but also if you drop a like on the video, it helps the Network 216 channel grow. So if you would do that, would really appreciate it. If you are joining on YouTube and not, not yet subscribed to the channel, you can do that for free as well. One of the other things that we are really trying to promote, it is brand new. We do have a Patreon exclusive for Network 216 um, followers on there. Um, Jacob Roach from the Barking Brown Show. He's going to be doing film breakdowns. I'm going to be doing um, some brief mock drafts when mock draft season comes along. I will have top 25 rankings every single week. So you guys want to make sure you go to our Patreon. The link will be in the YouTube description. So please go check it out, our Patreon. We would really appreciate that. If you guys are joining, please get in on the act tonight. Like I said, it's just me riding solo. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, anything you want to talk about, Buckeyes related, college football related, Drop them in the comments, and like, let's have a fun night. But first thing I want to get to, Ohio State had a pretty tough game on Saturday. There's no real way around it. Um, the game against Northwestern was sloppy, very sloppy to say the least. Ohio State won 21-7. Uh, just some brief takeaways on stats for this game C.J. Stroud was 10 of 26 for 76 yards, 2.9 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Mayan Williams, 26 carries, 111 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Stroud in this game, very mobile with his legs for really the first time since his freshman year when we saw him have a 50-yard touchdown run for his first play as a Buckeye. Uh, he had six carries, 79 yards, uh, 13.2 yards to carry. And Emeka Buka in this game, they're getting him involved in jet sweeps and even some carries every now and then. He had two carries, 21 yards, 10.5 yards to carry, and one touchdown in the receiving game. Really isn't much to talk about. I mean, when your quarterback doesn't even throw for 100 yards. But Marvin Harrison Jr. had five catches for 51 yards, uh, 10.2 yards to carry. And Cade Stover, two catches, 12 yards, six yards, six uh, yards per catch. And Julian Fleming finished uh, with one reception, seven yards. So just some of the stats from this game. Again, tough day for Ohio State. No way around it. Uh, I think it's a situation, and I don't like to do this because I am not a person that believes you should be blaming the weather. But it was reported that apparently there were gusts up to 80 miles an hour on Saturday. Don't know how true that was. I was not there. I mean, it looked very windy. It looked very windy in this game. If it was that windy, I'm not sure. But it clearly affected how accurate C.J. Stroud was on Saturday. I mean, you saw a number of passes sail on him. It just Overall, it just did not look good. And again... The weather was a factor in this game. It was. But the other side of this, you're in a situation where Northwestern is dealing with this too. It's not just Ohio State. 
that's having to deal with these elements. It's not. I mean, Brendan Sel- Sullivan was, I mean, he completed passes for Northwestern. They didn't like have a lot of yards either, like CJ Stroud, but 10 to 14, 79 yards, 5.6 yards in attempt. He was more accurate than CJ Stroud. I don't know if CJ just couldn't read the wind or what it was. I was a little bit surprised that he just couldn't really complete anything. I mean, if you knew Ohio State had to go to the air, you knew it was not going to be a great situation. I mean, anytime it happened, I just assumed it'd just be incomplete. So the win was a factor in this game. I believe it. But at the same time, you just have to find a way to win the game, which the Buckeyes did that. At the end of the day, that's what matters. So if if you're the Buckeyes, that's what you, that's what you needed. You just needed to go out and win this game, which they did against Northwestern. Again, Northwestern was a one-win team, but I'll give them the credit where it's due. They play hard. I mean, under Pat Fitzgerald, something they are going to do is they are going to play hard. And Evan Hall, one of the most probably underrated players in the Big Ten, I mentioned him last week. Again, we didn't do a huge Northwestern preview. Uh, we talked a lot about college football playoff rankings, which we are going to do uh, later in the show. But Evan Hall is Northwestern's go-to guy. I said he's the one guy you got to watch out for. He had a great game on Saturday, 30, 30 carries, 122 yards, 4.1 yards to carry, one touchdown. He was the guy for Northwestern. They were going to give him the ball every single time. That's just how it was going to be in this game. Uh, Brendan Sullivan caused the Buckeyes some problems on defense. I mean, he did average 4.6 yards a carry, but Jack's come into that. He did lose yards on a couple carries, but Sullivan, I thought, was pretty effective for Northwestern. And Ohio State struggled a little bit having the mobility of Brendan Sullivan to deal with. So overall, though, I think Ohio State did a pretty good job in this game. The one thing that was a little bit concerning for me, and I, again, the stats look good here. So you don't want to, like, overanalyze it. I'm starting to get a little bit worried about the Ohio State running game. Uh, You have mine, Williams, 26 carries, 111 yards, 4.3 yards to carry, two touchdowns. And those numbers sound great on paper. But Northwestern's a one-win team. A one-win team. And they they looked like at times that they were just playing harder than Ohio State. I, I don't know if we were going through the motions. I don't know what it is. One of the things that Ryan Day's teams have done ever since he's been the head coach, it's unfortunate this happens, is they do seem to play down to the competition. I don't know if that was necessarily the case on Saturday because I don't think they were just trying to tank or whatnot, but they just seem – that offense seems so out of sync, and I get it. When you can't throw, there's not a whole lot you can do. But you have to get past that. You have to – got to find ways to run the football and this Ohio State offensive line statistically has been one of the best offensive lines in college football if not the best and they just looked like they could not run the ball at all in the second half a little bit they started to wear down Northwestern's defense and you could see it but in this game the Buckeye offensive lineman Luke Weipner Paris Johnson Jr. Dewan Jones they were your three highest graded Buckeyes in, in this football game. 84.6, 78.2, But to me, the offensive line just didn't seem to really get that push. And Northwestern wasn't doing anything that Ohio State hasn't seen. And so that begs the question, and I have to bring this up, and I, 
I support Ryan Day. I like Ryan Day. I do think he's a good coach. But the one thing about Ryan Day, he gets very – he's not very creative in some points in the game. And I go to this Ohio State rushing attack on third and short, fourth and short. He's running pretty much the same play. Again, Ryan Day is a great coach. He is. And I'm not and I'm not here to say he's not. But to me, he just doesn't seem he's gonna stick with his whatever his play sheet is. He's not been getting very creative recently and picking up third down and shorts. And when we get to third and short, fourth and short, I don't like it because he's not he's running the ball either up the middle or to the left or to the right. And a lot of times we're getting stuffed and not picking him up. That's starting to worry me. The play calling is a little bit worrisome for me because you have all this talent, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, CJ Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka, so on and so forth. And it looks like when we need to get a yard or two, we just can't do it. And that worries me because you do still have to go to Maryland. And I'm not here to say that Maryland is this great team because I, I don't think they're, they are. But you still have to go on the road to Maryland. Maryland is 6-3 and three this year in the Big Ten. They're not a slouch. They can score points. Ohio State can't have like they did on Saturday where they're getting stopped on third and short, fourth and short in this game. Ohio State's defense is on par with anybody. But when you go against high power, and Maryland does have a pretty high-powered high offense uh, when, when we do get to that game here in two weeks. I'm not trying to overlook Indiana. But – you have to be able to consistently convert third and fourth downs. And right now, Ryan Day is not doing that. And it just, it worries me. And if you're a Buckeye fan, I think it should worry you too a little bit. He's getting very vanilla with his play calling. When you're third and short, run right up the middle. It's not there. It's not working. You got to do something. You got to do something different to keep the defense honest. And I get you couldn't really throw in this game. But man, you're telling me in some like some of these cases you couldn't complete a pass for three yards. You're instead you're just gonna run up the middle and get stuffed. It, it, it's just a little frustrating to me. Again, I love Ryan Day. I think he's a very good coach. I I, I think that he needs to win Ohio State national title this year, or else I think not. He's not gonna be on the hot seat. But let's say that the Buckeyes lose to that team up north last game of the year, so they don't win the Big Ten title once again. And then you're probably out of college football contention. We'll talk about that here um, a little bit later in the show, college football playoff ranking ranking predictions and uh, just thoughts on that. But you have to wonder then if Ryan Day is on the hot seat a little, just a little, because at Ohio State, you can't go multiple years without winning Big Ten titles or making the college football playoff or even not winning a national championship. So – there's a lot of pressure on Ryan Day to deliver, especially when you come out and say that you come to Ohio State. When you're at Ohio State, it's to win championships. It's championship or bust. you got to put up or shut up. And he's got to start making play calls that aren't vanilla. He's got to mix it up. That's what the great offensive coaches do. I'm not just talking college football. I'm talking NFL coaches, offensive coordinators do, and head coaches. He's got to start taking that step and really get creative with his play calling. Because defenses are starting to figure out on third and short, fourth and short, we're just going to run the ball right up the middle. I mean, they figured it out. So 
I need Ryan Day to get more creative in his play calling. So I think play calling right now for Ohio State is a little bit of concern, um, especially when you do have Michigan coming up at the end of the season, a team that is very strong up front, can control the line of scrimmage, and that is something I believe Ohio State struggles with right now is physicality. And I think that showed up against Northwestern on Saturday. It's what worries me a little bit as we approach the end of the season because, again, Michigan, what they do, the bread and butter, controlling the line of scrimmage, and they are a hard-nosed football team. Again, we're, I'm not trying to look too far ahead, but that you have to talk about it because that is coming up down the line. You know how Jim Harbaugh's teams play. They play that pro-style offense. They like to run the football right at you. That's where Ohio State's much-improved defense, I think, is going to help. But then Michigan has that defensive line, too. Like They know what Ohio State likes to do in the run game because right now the run game is not very creative. So calling on Ryan Day. Got to really start mixing up your play calling. Have to start doing that if you want Ohio State to not only win the Big Ten, but make a college football playoff and hopefully win a national championship. So the play calling absolutely has to improve for Ohio State. I also want to talk about the defense, though, in this game. I, I thought that Ohio State defense was fantastic, and you you expected that. I, I think you expected this defense to put on a show just – Given the fact, again, Northwestern, not a great team, but Tommy Eichenberg, there's really not a lot you can say. I mean, we talk about it every week on the show. He's just phenomenal, and he is. This is a guy that just racks up tackles. 13 tackles on Saturday. One for a loss, 10 solo. Let me, let me say that again. Tommy Eichenberg had 10 solo tackles in this game, which is just absolutely nuts. And – I keep I, I say it many times because I firmly believe if Jim Knowles was here a couple of years ago and Tommy Eichenberg was a linebacker and didn't come into Ohio State as a defensive end recruit, Tommy Eichenberg might be one of the greatest linebackers in Ohio State and Ohio State's ever had. And I'm talking up there with AJ Hawk, up there with Bobby Carpenter, up there with James Laurinaitis. The man is just all around the football. I think he's going to be a very good pro. I I do because he might not be the best in coverage. But I'm telling you, if you want someone that's going to find the football, make a tackle, it's Tommy Eichenberg. So great performance by him on Saturday. 13 tackles, some other good stats from the Buckeye defense. Ronnie Hickman had 10 tackles in this game as a safety. I think that's incredible, including six solo tackles. Lathan Ransom, nine tackles as a safety as well, five solo. Seal Chambers, eight tackles, seven solo. Denzel Burke, six tackles, six solo. Credit where it is due, Denzel Burke is showing that he is willing to be a willing tackler. And I think that's huge for your corners. And Denzel Burke has started to play well as we're reaching that second half of the year. And I think that's really big for Ohio State. Even though he didn't grade out really, really well at 60.8, that's really good to see from him. So I think that's encouraging for the Buckeyes. Ronnie Hickman is 72.3. Lathan Ransom in this game is 68.5. Again, I don't know, guys, how PFF decide their their um, their grades. I don't because I thought some of these guys played a lot better than what their what their overall grade shows. JT Tumiala, he had um, five, he had four tackles in this game, three solo, one tackle for a loss. He was really good. One pass deflection where he nearly had another pick six, so he was good. I mean, Steel, like why well, I said Steel Chamber stats, but Teron Vincent has come along for the Buckeyes. You just see this defense really starting to click at the right time. Some other grades that just I want to read off before we start to 
move on from this game and talk a little Ohio and talk a little Ohio State Indiana here. I <clears throat> I do want to read off just overall grades. So on the offensive side of the ball, I mentioned the three offensive linemen. Marvin Harrison Jr. saw it a 72.3 rating in this game, and he didn't even get the football that much. Uh, Mayan Williams had a 71. Matthew Jones, right guard, 70.1. And Mitch Rossi, a 70. CJ Stroud got a 67.8, which, again, interesting. <laughs> given the fact that he given the fact that he did not play well at all, in my mind. But Again, I, I don't know how Pro Football Focus does does their grades and decides their grades. So they must have thought CJ did okay given the circumstances. Uh, so th- those are the rankings there on the offensive side of the ball. Right off the defensive side, so we can move on here a little bit. And Ohio State has coming up. They have Indiana coming up. They do. Um, Indiana is really not a great football team. Indiana this year <laughs> – Unfortunately, it's kind of a typical year for Indiana. They're just not – they're not a great football team. There were a couple of years ago where they were solid. I thought they were starting to put it together. It just seems like they're back to kind of that low team in the Big Ten. I mean, they're 3-6. and six. There's nothing – I mean, on their schedule, they did beat Illinois to start the year. How? I don't know. Beginning of the year, maybe. That's my explanation. They actually started off the year with three straight wins. They beat Illinois, beat Idaho. <laughs> Love me some good Idaho potatoes. Uh, beat Western Kentucky, but then every game since then. Just got blown out by Penn State, 45-14 at home. Michigan beat them 31-10. Overall, just not a good year uh, for Indiana. Some guys you want to watch out for on their offense. Um, Con- Connor Blazlack, he's got 2,000 yards passing, 12 touchdowns, 9 picks. But, so, I mean, you have to watch their passing game. He's really the only guy that they've gotten involved in, the like, as far as quarterbacks. So, it looks like they haven't had a huge, like, just winding door of quarterbacks. He only completes about 54% of his passes. So, I expect Jim Knowles to really take advantage of that. And I expect them to blitz him early and often. But running the ball is normally what you think of when you think of Indiana football. They've had some great running backs come through there. Uh, Tevin Coleman. Uh, really comes to mind for me. Uh, Stevie Scott comes to mind. Just a, a good list of, oh, Jordan Howard's a big one too. Jordan Howard. So Indiana always has some solid running backs, but this team just doesn't really have that guy. I mean, their leading rusher is Sean um, Shivers. He's got 399 yards, averaging 3.8 yards per carry, four touchdowns. They also have Josh Henderson. Uh, 286 yards rushing, 4.5 yards of carry, and three touchdowns. So it looks like they kind of have a two-headed monster there at running back. As far as wide receiver, uh, Cam Camper is the guy they really like to get the ball to. He has 46 catches. The next closest guy is 32. So I, I think in this game, about to, Denzel Burks can be tested a little bit. We're about to see if improved as we begun the second half of the year he hasn't actually been thrown on a ton when he has he's performed pretty well um ever since he changed his number over to 10 so maybe he just needed a number change to get his game to the next level but cam camper 569 yards 12.4 yards a catch two touchdowns he's the guy they really want to get it to i think the overall keys for this game 
for Ohio State. Get C.J. Stroud back on track. Just let him destroy this defense. Indiana does not have a good defense. They have always struggled defensively for the most part, but get C.J. Get CJ going through the air again. I think that's that's a key to this game. I think getting Travion Henderson could be big for the Buckeyes. I mean, Mayan Williams is a very good running back, but if you have that one-two punch, I think it's big for Ohio State. On the defensive side of the ball, you just have to blitz Indiana. That's really all you have to do. I, I don't think they're a great team. Uh, Kevin Wilson, Ohio State's offensive coordinator, you know that he knows this team pretty well. And so uh, even though he hasn't been the Indiana coach for a little while, he still has an idea about the program. So I think that this is going to be a situation where you'll be able to take that away. You'll be able to take away – if you could take away that passing game a little bit, it's going to be hard for Indiana to do much because this Ohio State defense is just playing out of their mind right now. So I expect them to blitz blitz early and often. I expect Jim Knowles to mix it up a lot against this Indiana offense and make it difficult for them. But as far as the game prediction for this week, Ohio State comes in. They are 40-and-a-half points favorites. That's a lot. 40-and-a-half to cover that spread. I don't see it. I do. Ohio State's going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it pretty handily. I don't see them covering that spread. I just think 40-point spread is just nuts to me in college, especially a conference game. I don't see them covering the spread. So in this game, I'm going to have I'm going to have Ohio State. Let's go. Have Ohio State 52. Yeah. Ohio State 52, Indiana 10. My, my, my bad, not 10, 17. So Ohio State's not going to cover, but they are going to win this game. As we wrap up the show, I do want to go into the college football playoff talk just a little bit here. Um, I'm going to give you guys my predictions, but just some overall takeaways. <sighs> Tennessee, I, I really don't think they're overrated because some people think they're overrated. I don't think Tennessee's overrated. I just think they ran into a buzzsaw with Georgia. And Georgia's proven that they are still the best team in college football. There's no doubt about it. You can't argue it. Georgia put on a show on Saturday. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe Stetson Bennett actually is a pretty good quarterback. I've never really been impressed with him, but he performed well and it matters. Georgia's got some really good tight ends. They're very physical. If it comes down to it down the line, it is a matchup, obviously, that would give Ohio State a lot of trouble. But so Georgia, for me, Obviously, have to be in the top four. Tennessee, again, though, they're not overrated. I just think that, again, you ran into a buzzsaw. I think Hendon Hooker is still one of the best quarterbacks in college football. They still have a really good offense, and I think Tennessee will end up winning out. And if they do, it's going to make the conversation very interesting as we get down to it. But as far as um, teams that are out of it, Alabama, they're out of it with two losses. I don't see any way Alabama can get back in it, nor should they be able to. When you lose, I, I know they lost ranked games, but you're still losing. Alabama lost to LSU. They lost to Tennessee. To me, that puts them firmly out. So Alabama, they're gone, and it's very refreshing to see. The other team I think that is out of the college football playoff conversation, a lot of people disagreed with me on Twitter over this, and I, I welcome all viewpoints because it's a great conversation to have. So if you want to talk college football playoffs, at T underscore Johnson underscore TJ on Twitter. Feel free. Let's talk college football playoff rankings. But I think Clemson is out of the college football playoff as well. I just 
I don't see it. I think the ACC is it, it's weak. I don't see Clemson being able to get back in, especially when you lose on to an unranked Notre Dame and just get destroyed on the road. I don't think there's a way Clemson can be in the college football playoff. And I don't think after seeing that, the committee would want them in the college football playoff, even if it, if they're on the border between, let's say, Clemson's there, uh, TCU, Oregon. But let's say maybe there's like another one-loss team in there, like a Tennessee. I think they would put Tennessee in over Clemson. So Clemson's out. Now we get to the fun, the predictions for this week. So it was it was good news for LSU, Ole Miss, USC, Oregon, TCU. Their odds just went up big time. And I said this on Saturday on Twitter, and I believe it. Ole Miss has a game against Tennessee coming up. If Ole Miss can find a way to win that game, they they could put themselves in conversation for the college football playoff. There's a lot still to be decided here. I mean, Lane Kiffin has his team in the top 10. Oh, my apologies. They play Alabama. My bad. That's my bad there. They will play Alabama. That is at home. They will be at home for that game. If they win, things are going to get interesting. <laughs> it's going to get very interesting because you have LSU. They are 5-1 and one in the conference as of right now. So, but... Keep in mind that LSU holds a tiebreaker over Ole Miss. But Ole Miss is still there lurking if they beat Alabama. That's one loss for them. If Because if they went out and their only loss is to LSU, it's going to be a tough convert. It, it's going to be tough for the college football playoff committee to decide that. Are you going to put in a, possibly a two-loss LSU team over Ole Miss with one loss? I don't know. Be the first time we've ever seen a college we've ever seen a college football playoff with a team with two losses in there. So that can make things uh, very interesting. So Ole Miss, their stock is up. USC, there could be a team from the Pac-12 that gets in this thing. There really could be. You have USC at seven and one. I mean eight and one. Oregon eight and one. They're right there. UCLA, they're eight and one. They still have to play USC, of course, at the end of the season. I don't know how this thing shakes out. You have the opportunity, though, for a Pac-12 champion to get into the college football playoff. Absolutely. I think if you look at it, you're looking at these standings, and right now, Oregon is undefeated in the conference. So they are first. They would be in the championship game. Um, USC... UCLA, Utah, all of one loss, like in the conference, but uh, Utah is seven and two overall. So I think they're out. I don't. I can't see a two loss Pac twelve team into the college football playoff. Oregon, USC, or UCLA. If one of them runs the table, they will make the college football playoff. I don't see how you can keep them out, even though Oregon got blitzed at the beginning of the year to Georgia. The conversation will be had. So right there, right there. One of those Pac-12 teams could end up making the college football playoff. But the interesting one now, and this is where we're going to get first up at number six in the rankings. I am going to have – oh, man, this is tough, actually. This is tough. This is why I like This is why I like to have the rankings in front of me as I can make predictions as I go. Because <laughs> uh, it, it's not as easy as you guys think. Okay. Let's see. All right. At number at number six, I got the Oregon Ducks. 
Oregon has been phenomenal ever since their loss to Georgia to begin the year. Bo Nix has maybe figured out how to play quarterback in college at some point. Bo Nix has been fantastic ever since that game against Georgia. Beating UCLA, that was a huge game for for Oregon to win that game. Um, They don't play USC this year, so that's kind of a bummer. I was hoping that would be the case with beating UCLA. That's big for them. So I have Oregon right now at six. I just think you have to keep them there. I, I don't I don't right now, I don't have USC jumping them to this point. But right now, Oregon is at six. It's gonna be a little controversial, but I have TCU at number five. And the only reason I have TCU at number five, I think that TCU is a very good team. I think they're a very underrated team. I also think the Big 12. They just don't – the college football playoff just does not seem to respect the Big 12 conference right now. That At least that's what I've noticed. Baylor, Texas, Kansas State – I mean, Kansas State, they lost again. Texas won. I mean, you have three teams in that conference that are four and two. And I just don't think that the college football playoff committee really respects that conference. Now, if TCU runs the table, I don't know how you can keep them out. Ah, it's always good to get some sweet tea, but I don't know how you can keep TCU out of the college football playoff if they do indeed run the table. They have a huge game this weekend, and that's at Texas. It's going to be a night game, so they win that game. Then they have Baylor. Baylor has been tough the second half of the year, and then you have Iowa State at home. Let's say there's a scenario. You could have um, a title game of TCU-Texas, TCU-Kansas State, TCU-Baylor, Maybe even Kansas gets in there, Oklahoma State. Those are all possibilities. If TCU goes, runs the table and is undefeated, you have to put in the Big 12 champion. So right now, though, TCU is fifth because at number four, I got the Tennessee Volunteers. And I did this not necessarily because I believe they should be four. The committee loves the SEC. We've seen it for years, the SEC bias. I just think they're going to end up putting Tennessee at number four. That's really the only reason I don't have TCU at four is even though Tennessee has one loss, that would be to Georgia, who has not lost a game this year. Tennessee still beat Alabama, which I think still looks really good, even though even though Alabama has fallen a little bit. But I I think you have to have TCU right now at five. And at four, Tennessee at number three. I got Michigan at number three. There's no doubt the Michigan Wolverines are one of the best teams in college football. I think that's, this is all going to come to to a head here at the end of the season when they gather in Columbus uh, for the game. You, you, good chance you see number two versus number three in that game. Ohio State versus Michigan for all the marbles. Chance chance at a Big Ten, playing the Big Ten title game, chance at a college football playoff spot, and the chance to compete for a national title. So Michigan for me is number three. I have Ohio State State at number two. I just don't think you can move them down. They didn't play great against Northwestern. Whether it's a factor, I think that gets taken in consideration. I think it also gets taken in consideration that they have played a tougher schedule to this point than Michigan. And Buckeyes just stay number two. They might get a couple votes for number one, but I think overall it should be unanimous. The number one team this year, it should be Georgia. Georgia deserves to be number one. Their best team in college football. There's no reason they shouldn't be the number one team in the country 
college football playoff rankings. So there you have it. Georgia number one, Ohio State number two, Michigan number three, Tennessee number four, TC number five, and Oregon number six. Those are my college football playoff ranking predictions. Be sure to tune in to the college football playoff uh, selection show. That is at 7 o'clock tomorrow night on ESPN. And I am going to take take a quick minute here, and we are going to hear from our sponsor with Homage. What's up, guys? We've been talking about Homage for a really long time, but I can't get across how comfortable the products are. Like, this is literally the softest hoodie that you'll ever have. And it's not just about, you know, comfort when it comes to the style. It's it's effective as well. It keeps you warm. I mean, look, this thing is not... It's all vintage looking, but it's looked like this. I've owned this thing for five years. So you got Ohio State, you got the Browns, you got the Cavs, you got the Guardians. They've got everything to have you covered all year long for all your Cleveland sports. I know the Victory Monday thing's a little uh, brutal this year, but but you know we got all kinds of awesome designs. You got to check them out. We'll put a link. There's always links in all of our episodes in the descriptions and sometimes in the comments as well. They're the best on the market, man. You need you. you <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore, but. Go over there, check out Amish today. Go Cats. As we wrap up this edition of the Scarlet and Gray podcast, thank you all for tuning in uh, to tonight's episode again. It was a solo show. A lot of fun, but can't wait to get my uh, my amazing co-host, uh, Jordan Dalton, back here next week. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Can't wait to go over with him. Um, Ohio State versus Indiana. We're going to do more college football playoff rankings. Just so you guys know moving forward, we are still going to do game previews in the week of Maryland and Michigan. We're going to hit that a little bit harder because those are better teams. The Michigan week, we're going to hit on that a lot because we're actually going to have a special guest join us. Um, one of our good friends to preview that game from the Michigan side of things because he is a Michigan football fan. It's unfortunate, I know. But for this case, it's very helpful. So we're going to go over that with him. But we also are going to try and hit on college football playoff rankings a lot. It's a big topic of conversation. It is always a lot of fun to talk about. So make sure you're tuning in. Again, if you're joining on Facebook, please go over to the YouTube channel, drop a like on the video, helps the channel grow. But also if you would subscribe to the channel, it's free to do. And we would really appreciate that support. If you're on YouTube and not yet subscribed, just take just take a second, subscribe. Once again, it's free. You're entered in for exclusive giveaways we have only available on the YouTube channel. But also, drop a like on that video. Like I said, it helps all of our shows really grow. So we always appreciate that support. Reminder, tune in to down, Getting Down with the Browns. My apologies. They are going to be live at 7.30 on the Network 216 YouTube channel. They're going to be breaking down the Browns and Dolphins preview for this weekend. Getting into all the latest news, results from this weekend, and much more. This has been the Scarlet and Gray Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in, and go Bucks. Oh, my God.